Do you believe in ghosts or whatever the fuck? (laughs) Do you believe in ghosts? So did you read the article? I I have not actually read it. Dude, I read the whole thing and it is captivating. I know. I basically have read it, but it's so long. Like I started reading it. I just couldn't, I couldn't put it down. Um, He can teleport. I heard that he, like, he thinks that he like jumps into people's bodies and makes plays for them. There was an incident. He doesn't really think that it's like a regular occurrence, but there was an incident where another player scored a touchdown Uh and one of our players was coming off the field and looked at him and said something like good shit, Sammy, or some sort of like attaboy to Sammy. And he was not Uh involved in the touchdown. And his only explanation for that very normal thing to have said to him is that that person that his soul left his body, joined the body of the player that scored the touchdown, and that that other player sensed that his soul scored the touchdown even though his body didn't and was congratulating his soul. That is like the, the Sammy Watkins version of what happened there. Now, he didn't follow up with this player and say, like, did you say attaboy to me because you, like, are, you thought my soul scored? No, he just, like, tells this interviewer. He's just like, oh, yeah, I mean, my – I, I I zapped into that guy for a second, and that's that's the only way to explain it. It's it's amazing. I uh, I I don't. There's a part in here where he talks about going to Saturn, right? Like, uh, yeah, he says thing. he's gonna at the very end. I he's think that break was the rings, the I ice. think that was a bit of jest. I'm not really. It's hard in in written word to tell how much sarcasm certain things were said with, because clearly most of it was very serious, but like then if he pops off and makes a joke about something and says like, Oh yeah, no, next off season, I'm going to be a Saturn. Cause he's joking about like, I know I just talked about how I think I'm an alien. Cause he literally does think he's an alien. But I do think <laughs> that if he told this guy, I'm, I'm going to be on Saturn. I think I could see that as being like a, like a joke for Sammy, like a, you know, like, Oh, get it. But at the same time, then who freaking knows? Because he might've also, uh, the whole thing is a little concerning. Um, he is definitely different. He's probably like, like the weirdest person that ever lived. Like, yeah. like maybe even yeah, weirder from, like, than going. someone yeah. from Saturn. <laughs> he like prowls around like a cat man in the night. <laughs> he had more hair. He could never do a wrong thing. Oh, that's, that's a good, that's a good observation, Charlie. Um, <laughs> he just kind of like, he talks about a lot about his kind of tragic upbringing and how, tons of people that he knows are dead like tons of family members and friends and and he has a stepbrother that he says is more talented at football than he is and you know I feel like these stud athletes always talk about some personal acquaintance they know that would be an amazing athlete if not for x like I feel like that's the 10th time I've ever heard that version of that story but yeah sure it's like uh the forgotten car brother Darren Carr. <laughs> yeah it is exactly that, that like guy Darren would Carr. that guy would to- yeah. totally be a great football player and not a high school football coach not even a head coach mind no, you no no but yeah. for you know whatever it is he- but his step Sammy's stepbrother got wrapped up in like a gang like the um a bunch of their gang members were all arrested at once and he's facing like life in prison and Sammy found that out at a really he was already doing pretty poorly personally and so he like decided that he was probably going to retire and he like broke down crying to the butt to the bills and they responded to that by trading him instead of like I feel like trying to help him or anything 
um, he like a lot of that was talking about how he felt like he was a huge disappointment and how he was getting wasted every night, every single night. He said, every night I would be up until four drinking and then wake up at six and try and go to practice. Well, that's and probably like, why he believes in ghouls. <laughs> these other things that he believes in. Yeah. Stalking around in the night. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he just, he, he knocked a screw loose at some point and now he's like, but he says he's really happy, but he also talks about how there's dark times ahead for us all. So that's uh that's fun huh well there's dark times here in the present sammy so you know he's just uh he's just ahead of the curve i guess and they're going to be dark times ahead for you when we draft Welcome in, everybody, to episode 13 of It's Always Sunny in Chief's Kingdom. Probably appropriate, Taylor, that we picked episode 13 to dive into the weird world of Sammy Watkins. Uh, We're going to leave that behind. We've got some drafts on tap for tonight. We are going to talk about the last loss of the 2019 season, so we're going to do that, Tennessee. And then we're going to do some drafts. So what we're going to do is we're going to draft... Uh, 10 games from the 2020 schedule so we're just gonna go back and forth and you know pick our most compelling games then we're gonna do like a pretty you know in the the middle is gonna be the the meat of the draft this was a reader submission we're going to draft our top 10 non-Patrick Mahomes plays so can't be passes can't be Pat Mahomes runs uh, from the 2019 season and then we're gonna close it out with an always sunny draft we are going to draft our top 10 always sunny episodes I guess we should introduce ourselves. I'm Austin. I'm Taylor. This is Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Are you ready to talk about Tennessee? Let's let's just get it out of the way. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got we, we're covering every game, and I guess the the thing that makes this game easy to cover is the fact that it will be the last loss that we have to cover this season. That feels good. Which is really good. It feels great. It's uh, you know, we know what's gonna happen moving forward. Obviously, we didn't at the time, and at the time, uh this was this was a terrible, terrible loss, like a really horrible feeling that, you know, the only way to shake it is to beat this team again in the AFC championship game and then win the Super Bowl. So, well, fortunately, we had the medicine for that sickness. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Freddie, foreshadowing. But yeah, you know, week 10, uh, November 10th, it was the Chiefs were six and three coming into the game. They had kind of, you know, they've, they've got their the race car back Pat Mahomes is uh, he's gotten his tune up and his knees all better and he's ready to roar. And uh, they started off really well. It was a 10, nothing chiefs lead. And then it kind of got gross from there. Yeah. I mean, it really got gross on this play in the second quarter where the chiefs fumbled and just kind of one of those fluke things where you fumble the ball, it goes right to the other guy, and he's in the perfect position to just take it to the house. Yeah. A 53-yard fumble return. Like, you you, you rarely see that happen. And that was obviously a huge momentum shift. But then the Chiefs were up 29-20 to 20 with 12 minutes left in this game. And then they were up 32-27 to 27 with three minutes left in this game. And then <laughs> they should have kicked a field goal to go up eight, mm-hmm. but it was blocked 
And mm. this just was, I Not just, the field I mean, go up eight was blocked. That was the one where Colquitt had the intentional oh, grounding. Right, sure. the, the game yeah, yeah, yeah. tire I mean. at the buzzer yeah. was the one that was blocked, right? which was horrible. Yes. It, it would have been blocked, which is why Colquitt decided oh, he was yeah. going to pick the ball up and <laughs> do nothing. Uh, I mean, just, uh, uh, Oh, it was horrible. Um, Taylor, I just want to, just to give people an idea of how frustrating this game was, th- these are the the totals from this game, right? So okay. total yards, the Chiefs had 530 total yards. That's the good. The Titans had 371. Total that is yards. less good. Yeah, I mean, it's still pretty good, but it's, it's almost, it's 160 fewer total yards, right? Mm-hmm. Same number of turnovers. They each turned the ball over once. Third down conversions, the Chiefs were 7 of 14, which is 50%. Really That's good. not bad. Yeah. The Titans were 2 of 8. Not good. Which is not good. 25% on third down, and they were 0 for 1 on fourth down, and the Chiefs were 1 for 2, obviously the, the miss Cole being play. that yeah. Colquitt play, the busted yeah. play. And the Chiefs dominated time of possession in this game. They held the ball for almost 38 minutes, 37 what? minutes and 52 seconds. The Titans had the ball for 22 minutes and 8 seconds. I've been told that if you hold the ball for a long time, you're guaranteed to win. You're Isn't guaranteed that what everyone to said? win. Your winning percentage is 1,000 except yeah. for this one game. This, yeah. was, this was an outrageous game. It was like – What about the passing yards? Yeah, the passing yards were uh, 446 for the Chiefs, hmm. which is pretty good. And the Titans had 181. Jeez. Pat threw the ball 51 times in this game. Well, 50 times. We had 50, 50 attempts. And the Titans threw the ball 19 times. Jeez. And the Chiefs lost this game. I mean, this was – I'm glad this is the last loss that we have to talk about because I'm getting all worked up. Like It's a horrible one. Chris Jones was back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat was back. Mm-hmm. And – we had this game in the bag and we were going to be seven and three, which is amazing. That's, that's a great record considering you had Pat out for two and a half games and then they blew it. They blew it hard. And even if they had missed that field goal, which they didn't attempt uh, to go up eight, it still was the Titans still got the ball back with a minute to go with Ryan Tannehill. And all the chiefs needed to do was keep him out of the end zone. And they couldn't even keep him out of the end zone. He he just Ugh. cut straight up the field and then hit Adam Humphreys behind the defense for just this dumb 23-yard touchdown pass. And then they go for two and get it. So they go up three. And then the Chiefs get an awesome kick return on the final um, final kickoff. They uh, suck up only kicked it 46 yards and Nicole Hardman returns it back. So we already have the ball to 38 with 17 seconds left with Pat. He completes a deep one to Robinson, gets us in field goal range. Everything's looking great. They've got it lined up and then they block the field goal. It's just so many things had to go wrong in that last couple of minutes and they all went wrong. It was horrible. I still, I hate thinking about it. It was a, it was a special teams disaster after the special teams play had been really good and was really good the rest of the year after this game, but it just was a, it was a disaster. The, the run defense, obviously a lot of people raised eyebrows with Mike Pinnell who had been playing very well. We shouted him out last week Mm -hmm. was inactive in this game. He was a a, a healthy scratch in this game Mm. and the chiefs just got bulldozed. Like they got blown up the entire offensive line got hurt in this game yeah that's right i i, I mean just it, it just one thing after another i mean like on three consecutive plays you know you you've got guys schwartz lost his snap streak oh it was horrible um, I, let's stop talking about this right, I'm, getting I'm done all worked i'm up. done this with is, it. i'm literally we're, done with we're, it. we're moving on fuck the titans let's game move past it 
we're, we're, we're moving past it. We're going to go into drafting. You want to draft? Let's, let's get a draft, draft. I would love nothing more than to draft. So we got to, we got to wash the bad taste out of our mouth then. I just, that was, that was gross. I feel like I need to go take a shower, but let's, let's draft instead. So what we're going to do is we're going to do three drafts tonight. For those of you that have not heard us do a draft on the show, it's exactly like, you know, what you would expect. We're going to draft back and forth. We found out last week uh, what the Chiefs' schedule will be. We already knew who we were playing. Now we know when we are playing everybody. So we're not going to preview the whole schedule. We'll go 10 10 picks. We'll go back and forth, and we'll just pick kind of our intriguing matchups, and we'll kind of say, you know, what what floats our boats about it, and then uh, we'll roll into our next draft kind of dealio. So you have the first pick, except you're deferring because this draft doesn't matter. The non-pat plays is one that we're, we're both, you know, that, that's that's the competitive draft. This is kind of just a fun way for us to talk. It's about a warm-up draft. So, so do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? What what do you want? Um, let's do. So, I will be drafting first in the non-pat plays and the always sunny episodes, and then you'll draft first in the schedule. Okay. So the because right. we're going to do three, good. and we're going to kind of sure it it totally works for me as long as our listeners understand that this is a fair an open process <laughs> that everyone is getting a fair shake. Uh, now you have won the reader polls or the listener polls for our last two drafts. The but quarterback one time. was a blowout and the Pat plays. Yeah. Was I mean, speaker. it was, it was a blowout because you drafted Pat. I mean, come yeah. on. That, that I was, mean, that's how the drafting some, works. We're drafting some, for them, Austin. We're not drafting was, for ourselves. We're drafting. That for was the some Twitter hardcore poll. pandering. Yeah. It is what it is. It's fine. All right. I have the first pick. I'm mm-hmm. going to take the obvious choice. Yes. It's everybody's first pick. If you listen to a national show about the schedule, this is the game that everybody is talking about. Yep. Not even the fact that it is on ESPN with their crappy Monday night football crew. <laughs> Although Booger, Tessator out. Mm-hmm. We don't even know who's going to be broadcasting this game. Probably Peyton. <laughs> Could be. But we do know Monday, September 28th, Chiefs at Ravens on Monday night football. It's going to be uh, Chiefs versus Ravens, Lamar versus Pat part three. Chiefs obviously are 2-0. and uh, They have had two home wins over the Ravens in Lamar's two games against the Chiefs. This will be our first time going to Baltimore against Lamar in the Lamar era. And I really – I'm looking forward to this game. I tweeted this, but the Chiefs have not lost a game in September in their first four games of the schedule, and that, that includes that first – sometimes you get – you know, very last week of September, sometimes you get, you know, the opening days of October. The Chiefs have not lost in the first four games of the season since 2016. So the Chiefs always come out hot out of the gate. You know, Andy has all summer to... Thanks, Andy. Yeah, exactly. He he has all summer to game plan, you know, and especially this year, you know, we talk about it, it seems like every single week, because it's the only thing to talk about how weird this offseason is. But the Chiefs are ready to play right now and they're going to be ready to play in week three. I think it's going to be a good time. I mean, it's hard to draw conclusions from the Ravens. You know, Lamar's been the starter for, you know, one full season, about a season and a half. But they did start out slow at the beginning of last year. They they had both of their losses within the first four weeks of the season. That's right. They lost to us. And then they lost to the Browns. They got yeah. blown out by the Browns of all teams. So I think it's a good a good time for us to be catching the Ravens. What, what are your uh, thoughts about this game? I'm super stoked about it. Um, you know, obviously their styles between the Ravens and the Chiefs couldn't be any more opposite. Um, the Ravens are the you know, the dynamic ground and pound and the chiefs are everything through the air. And uh, it's just going to, 
Lamar versus Pat is the marquee quarterback matchup so far of the NFL. Like this is the one versus two. And um, finally, you know, the Ravens are going to get us at home. They think that maybe uh, Arrowhead has been the reason they've lost the first two. Of course, that's not the case. They lost the first two because they have the inferior quarterback, but uh, this will be a great Monday night showcase. It's the only Monday night football game of the year for the chiefs. They do have other primetime games, but um, there's nothing quite like Monday night. Um, Week three is going to be an early, early, early indicator of who the, has the front runner in the AFC as well. Because from that point on, whoever wins that game is going to have the bragging rights, the inside track, what have you. So um, I'm extremely looking forward to it. That would have been my number one pick as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the Chiefs' last two Monday night games have been pretty fun games. We're going to preview or we're going to talk about one of them next week, Chiefs mm-hmm. and Chargers mm-hmm. in Mexico City. And then obviously the year before that, the game that was supposed to be in Mexico City against the Rams, that barn burner that people are still talking about. A.K.A. the greatest NFL game of all time. Yeah, until this next one. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a really fun game. So you get two picks now. Yep. Um, I have... I'm glad I get both of these because I'm looking forward to both of them a tremendous amount. Um, Number two, I'm going to go with opening night against the Texans. Of course. Uh, That is, I'm, I'm so jazzed about that. We fortunately got our tickets for that game. So we will be there in person, which is great. If, Uh, if it happens, we're going to, the whole, this whole draft is going to be about if everything happens (laughs) clearly, you know, this whole season is in jeopardy, but uh, moving on from that, the, the Texans, you know, they basically are just the sacrificial lamb here. They have no chance in hell of doing anything remotely threatening to the Chiefs on this Thursday night opener. I'm telling you right now, this is a laugher. It's going to be no DeAndre Hopkins, and the Chiefs are going to be raising a banner and playing the team that they came back from 24 down in that mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's just I I'm I'm getting chills right now thinking about how excited I am for football to be back and for the Chiefs to start their season off against that opponent. That'll be the last time you and I were both in Arrowhead was against the Texans. So we were to back to back pretty uh, pretty big deal games against the Texans. There, I don't think there's really much to add there. Um, no DeAndre Hopkins. I think no more Texans too much of a threat for a while as long as bill o'brien's in charge agreed there yeah i agree and you have to figure and this is something that you you like about the baltimore game too i mean you assume that the chiefs are going to be the healthiest at the beginning of the season so it's nice to have all your horses uh, presumably when you're playing the texans and then uh when you're playing the ravens as well um you know we get thursday night football against the texans then get uh 10 days to prepare for the chargers in week two and then eight days, of course, the Ravens will also have eight days to prepare for Monday Night Football. So mm-hmm. it'll be fun. It'll be, a, it'll be a fun opening slate for sure. I like that pick. Yep, for sure. What you got on tap of ours for the third pick? For yep. my third pick, I'm going to pick the first time the Chiefs will go to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay next year. Mm. As the Chiefs play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on November 29th in Week 12. And they get to see... Tom Brady, as long as his old ass body is still throwing balls by week 12 and uh, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Gronk and, and the, the the new Browns is what I'm calling the bucks until further notice. And uh, they, the the hype machine is going to be built for that. Now it's not a primetime game, which is really odd. Um, It must be CBS must've protected that game because it's just a, 
three o'clock yeah, game. Yeah, they protected the, the hell out of that game. They, they did. I don't know how that game didn't make a Sunday night slate. We're going to be seeing promos for that game for. <laughs> yes. Yeah, since, since week one, basically, they're going to be like, all right, now this is fun, but wait till week 12 when Tom Brady and Tampa Bay TB 12. Um, I'm, I'm jazzed about that game. As I mentioned, it is a preview of the chiefs in Raymond James stadium where super bowl 55 will be hosted. And uh-huh. I think yep. we fully expect the chiefs to make an encore appearance in Tampa Bay uh, a couple months later. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I, I have nothing to add other than, like you said, uh, hopefully everybody is healthy in week mm-hmm. 12, who knows with Tom Brady's old ass body, whether <laughs> he can make it that far or not, but yeah, that's, that's going to be one that's uh, everybody's got circled for sure. So I got two in a row now. I'm going to go with another old, uh, and that is Drew Brees and the yeah. New Orleans Saints in week 15, December 20th. So that'll be uh, shortly before Christmas in the Superdome. So that'll be fun. Uh, obviously, that's always an amazing environment. Um, I've never had the chance to take in a game there, but everybody talks about how just unbelievably insane it is. Hopefully, there will be fans there. That's pretty late in the year. So you figure, you know, if anybody's going to have uh fans in the stands it's going to be you know by by week 15 hopefully they've got it sorted out uh but it'll be it'll be fun again hopefully breeze is kind of held up i think it's a good time for the chiefs to be playing the saints because while they have been extremely good the last three years 13 and 3 the last two seasons and then 11 and 5 the year before that uh with just some heartbreaking playoff losses thrown in there they have had a tendency to kind of obviously in the playoffs, but kind of have a, a little bit of a slowdown towards the end of the year. So I don't know if that's mm-hmm. related, you know, breeze um, has come out on fire the last couple of years, obviously he was hurt for the middle of the season last year, but I don't know if it's just fatigue, if his arm kind of starts to wear down later in the year, it's going to be interesting because obviously there's only one buy this year. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if that's still kind of in the balance, you mentioned it when we're talking about, you know, Chiefs Ravens, but getting that one out of the way early, it's possible that this game might not mean that much, but it is week 15. I mean, you know, there's still three games left on the schedule when you go to nothing's North, so. clinched three weeks to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, well, and, I mean, the, the division will be clinched. We'll, we'll already <laughs> good be, point. Yeah. we'll already be hanging another AFC West banner uh-huh. by then for sure. Uh, probably actually before that, but, <laughs> but yeah. So um, yeah. Anything you want to add on uh, chief saints? Um, I remember the, everyone remembers the 2018 MVP race between Breeze and Mahomes, and exactly as you described where Breeze came out on fire, they were neck and neck. They were the, the co-favorites for MVP for about the first half of the year. And then Breeze had about six or seven really poor games for his standards. Uh, you know, he would throw like 150 yards and no touchdowns and stuff like that. And they were getting beat by the Cowboys 10 to nine. And they were just, they were, bad they were bad on offense and it was clear that he had lost uh, some steam at the end of the year and last year with the injury it's kind of hard to tell um exactly where his stamina was at at the end of the year but I completely agree with you I think if I want to play the Saints I do not want to play them early where everyone especially Drew Brees is all rested um week 15 is perfect for me to play them good pick so I'm going to go with pick number five here. I'm going to go with uh, week two chiefs at chargers. Yes. So that'll be the chargers first home game. 
I, I thought about going with Vegas, but I'm going to leave that for you. Thanks. Uh, I'm excited for this game, not only because it obviously we get to see the Chargers' new digs. We get to see the stadium completely empty, even if they are allowing fans <laughs> Right, exactly. If, if there's anybody there, they're going to be wearing Chiefs colors. But I just love – I love playing – these early division road games, because it's kind of your opportunity to go in and say like, Hey, look at us, look <laughs> at us, you know, like we're, we're, st- we're still the champs, right? Well, yeah, everybody would have thought, but like, you know, the beginning of 2018, I I'm thinking of the last time, you know, we opened at the chargers. Yeah. That was the first game of the Pat Mahomes' starter era. And literally like the first drive of the game, you know, him firing that slant to Tyreek, Tyreek taking it to the house. And that's kind of like statement made, you know, here we are, we're still the best. We're now the defending world champions. We're going to come to your house. We're going to rub your faces in the dirt. And you, you thought that you could, you could take the division from us. You're so stupid. (laughs) And they won't have Phil Rivers or Melvin Gordon. They're, they're kind of a rebuilt team themselves. It's going to be Justin Herbert. Or Tyrod Taylor, come on, like who? Or Ty- it's got to yeah. be Justin Herbert, I would think. I, I'm going to be shocked if they drafted him that high, and they're still going to start Tyrod Taylor. I guess. Stranger well, either way, I mean, either if, way, if Justin Herbert is starting, he'll be playing in his second NFL game ever. Yes. And I got to say, you know, this was not the case when we had Bob Sutton as our defensive coordinator, <laughs> but Steve Spagnuolo, he eats him he up. Can, he can fuck with the young quarterback yes. for yes. sure. Absolutely. He he absolutely did with everybody's uh, favorite. Drew Locke, the the darling of uh, Denver, mm-hmm. he he messed with him hard yep. last year, and frankly, I I kind of almost think Drew Locke might be a better prospect than Herbert, which is weird to say because Herbert obviously he was a top ten pick, but I mean there's no way that he's going to be ready if he's the starter. You know, I mean without you know OTAs and everything kind of being online this year, the Chiefs are going to feast. It's going to be a yeah. blowout. It's going to be a ton of fun. So that's my pick at number five. Love it. That's a good pick. Uh, I will take the aforementioned Las Vegas Raiders there. Um, I think that game it just tickles me so much. Uh, it's it's week 11, late November. It's in the Dome in Vegas. It's going to be the Chiefs' first trip to Vegas ever. Um, it's just very exciting because by then, by week 11, the Raiders are going to be out of it. So it's just going to be – the chiefs and we're just going to be walking in there and just dropping our dicks on them. And it's just mm-hmm. going to be very, very, it's going to be our, our party. It's going to be a chief's party in Vegas. And there's nothing as a person that absolutely loves Las Vegas. There's nothing that gets me going more than thinking about the chiefs coming to Las Vegas and just rolling up the Raiders. Um, if for whatever reason, the Raiders happen to be decent, which, you know, um, jury's still out on, but if that game happens to mean anything to them, uh, it's sure going to give even more juice to an already exciting game. So I'm really looking forward to that one uh, in week 11. What do you think about that Raiders game? Yeah, I just uh, was reading today. I guess the Raiders have already sold out all of their home games. I, they are the first NFL team, I guess, to do that. Sure. Uh, the stadium's completely sold out for every home game, sure. which is obviously the Vegas effect. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, I mean, a lot of those are going to be, traveling fans fans for sure because it's vegas hopefully vegas is back to being vegas um in a couple of months and we get to really experience like it would be really really sad obviously it would be sad if we had no fans you know in any of the stadiums but man it would be rough if vegas is still a ghost town 
when the Raiders roll in there. Although I, I guess it would be appropriate for, <laughs> you know, the Raiders brand of football. It would be very on brand, yeah. but I'm hoping that the stadium is full. I hope that the chiefs, like you said, get in there, go, get to go in there and just shut it down. I hope that the move to Vegas will class up that franchise a little bit, like put a little they bit of shine it. on it. Like I hope that they're not going to be fucking throwing batteries at fans or whatever they would do in the black hole. Yeah. Like there's still going to be, you know, guys holding up signs that say I skipped my probation appointment <laughs> to come to this, this game, you know, like I have a warrant out for my arrest yeah. because I came to a football game. That's, that's just comes with the territory, but I hope that they will. I hope that it's a place where opposing fans can come and, experience a game in a, a safe you know you know it's fine if they want to yell and rouse you whatever but I you know like when we went to the Denver game it was like it felt like a safe environment for Very us safe. to be able to like yes we're wearing a Chiefs jersey safe for opposing teams too yeah exactly for sure yeah I love that pick it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game definitely one that I'm looking forward to yep what you got so then uh, number seven we're gonna go with the home tilt against the Denver Broncos in week 13. Um, that's going to be on December 6th and it's, it's just another opportunity to show the Broncos who the real champs are. And I, I was thinking between the home and away game, which one I'm looking forward to more, but I'm obviously looking forward to the home game more, uh, because that is going to be more of a joke than the away game. Usually, um, I, I love that the Broncos think that they're relevant. I think it's adorable. Oh, it's hilarious. Um, you know, they, they draft some wide receivers, but they still, you know, they think that's all it takes. It's just, oh, yeah, we got a couple. We got Jerry Judy, so now we're going to be a good football team again. Like, no, you have a ton of problems. Uh, your coach is old and doesn't really know what he's doing, and your quarterback is young and doesn't really know what he's doing, and your defense that you think you still have from five years ago is not there anymore, and they're just, they're just sad. And, and the quicker we can put them out of their misery in both games, the happier I'll be. So I'm going with week 13 home game against the Broncos. I will piggyback off of that and I'll take the away game for the Broncos. That's October 25th, a Sunday, uh, right around the time when we played them this past year. And I, I will say it's obviously it's not Arrowhead, but if you ever get the chance to go to mile high, it is a really cool stadium. Um, We had the pleasure of going on a Thursday night. It was perfect weather. I mean, it was like, you know, yeah, Perfect temperature, beautiful sunset. It was wonderful. Then Pat Mahomes got hurt. We're never going to speak of that again. (laughs) This is going to be – I am taking this game because I kind of want to see the revenge angle on it, right? Like I want to see Pat come out on the field where he got hurt. Let's not forget that when he walked off the field, there was some serious doubt in his mind and in everybody else's mind whether he was going to play again that year. Yeah. And I think he's going to come out when he comes back to mile high and just shred the Broncos. Now yep. we do get 10 days to prepare uh, because we're playing on Thursday night football. This is going to be my next pick spoiler alert mm. uh, at Buffalo. So we do get 10 days to prepare, you know, Andy Reed with a mini buy extra time to prep the Broncos. You know, you mentioned earlier that the Raiders are kind of going to be out of it by week 11. We've had one game, at least one game, you know, each of the last three years where you know, one of the teams of the AFC West gets a little bit frisky. Uh, the Chargers managed to hang around for quite a yeah. while in 2018, obviously. Yeah. Uh, 2017, same deal was the Chargers. We put them away. We buried them. Raiders. This last year, the Raiders, you know, thought coming into Arrowhead that, you know, hey, if we win this game, we can maybe get back into that. They got pasted 40-9. to nine. I kind of hope that the Broncos are 
you know, four and three, or, or I guess it'll be uh, week seven. So I hope they're three and three, four and two, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I hope we just get to go in to mile high and wipe the floor with them. And we will, we will. I completely agree. And of course, remember, this is the stadium that Pat made his NFL debut in. He's got to be extremely comfortable there of any away stadium. You know, I mean, well, he's he has, never lost there. So I'd say he's probably, <laughs> he hasn't lost there. in many places, but yes, you're right. I mean, he's three and oh, yeah, yeah. He's already experienced a lot of success there and failure with the injury. So, so he's got that kind of, you know, just every angle that, and a division rival and a young quarterback that people are saying is going to be good, which I, I just, I can't wait. I, I think he's going to go in there and like you said, just murder him. Yeah. How much fun is it that uh, now there are other young quarterbacks and Pat's like, listen guys, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, Don't forget. I'm, I'm the goat now. Yes. Like, I'm going to show you young fellers what's up. Like I'm <laughs> the man. I'm the captain he's, now. He's 24 and he has a Super Bowl ring and an MVP. So it's good to be the king. Yep. Uh, so my final I'm, pick I'm going to take at Buffalo. Okay. This is our Thursday night game. It is a East Coast Thursday night game at Buffalo, which is a hard place to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the harder games on the schedule. And I don't. Josh Allen doesn't really scare me. I kind of feel like good defensive coordinators can really shut the Bills offense down. If you look at what the Patriots did to them, if you look at what the Ravens did to them, you know, the teams that that have real top-tier defenses, they can put a stop to the shenanigans that the Bills get into. And that really is the the only way I can describe their offense. I mean, in the playoffs, you know, it involved a touchdown pass – from their wide receiver to their quarterback on their opening drive of the playoffs. And then after that, even the Texans kind of were like Romeo Cornell of all people kind even of like the figured Texans. it out. Even the Texans figured out a way to kind of shut that shenanigan down. So, I, I mean, these short games, I think they are going to favor, they always favor. I mean, this is true of every game, but the better coach, the better quarterback and while I really like Sean McDermott, I actually think he's a, a very good coach. Me too. Obviously, Andy is the best in the biz, and Pat is the best in the biz. So I do think the Chiefs probably are going to come out with a win in this game. This is one of the ones I predicted 14-2. and two. Mm-hmm. This is one of the ones that it, it could be a loss. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to it because I think if the Chiefs – I mean, honestly, this is like one of the last tough games on the schedule. I mean, obviously, you have at Bucks and at Saints – but other this is than week that, six. <laughs> it's week six. Other than that, I mean, those are really the only two really tough games left on the schedule. So after the Bills, I mean, it's, it's very smooth sailing. If you come out of that game and you've beaten the Ravens, and yeah. let's say the Chiefs are 5-1 and one or 6-0, and oh, yeah. whew, that one seed is looking real good. Mighty tasty. That's right. And this team is in pretty good shape to go undefeated. I mean, all things considered, with – the talent coming back and with the talent that in the coaching staff and the division that they're in and everything. I mean, I, I love to hype my chiefs for sure, but like this, I, they match up with everybody. And I, even their four hardest games of the year, Ravens saints and I, and the Patriots, I mean the bucks, I call them the Patriots. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just, it doesn't seem like any of these teams are going to be able to hang with us and we will see how it all plays out. Obviously I mentioned the Patriots. I'm going to go ahead and draft that game. Good. 10th overall uh, week. 10th overall. How about that? Yeah, there you exactly. would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. Just like our favorite guy. Uh, week four, it's October 4th. It's um, 
a Sunday game that the Chiefs are going to face the Patriots in Arrowhead without Tom Brady. And, you know, they've faced the Patriots without Tom Brady in Arrowhead before, and that was because they knocked <laughs> him out of the game in 2014. <laughs> Uh, but this is a little bit different. This is um, the the new era Patriots. They're gonna we're gonna have three games of watching how Jared Stidham performs before they come into yeah, Arrowhead. Wh- so whoever it is, have you heard this latest that Stidham might not be ready? So <laughs> could be Brian Hoyer, man. It could be Brian Hoyer. Whatever the case may be, whatever the Patriots, whatever form they've taken in the first three weeks, the Chiefs will not. They, they will show no mercy on this team. They are not going to say, okay, you've got a rookie quarterback or whatever, and you guys are one and two coming in here. We're, we're going to sleep on you. No, this is still the Patriots as far as the emotions go. And even though that team is dead, and even though that team will no longer haunt anyone in the NFL for the rest of time, um, people are going to – everyone, every team in the NFL is going to take their last 20 years of frustration on that franchise out on this new team. And – I don't foresee that changing at all in week four. Um, What are your thoughts on the Patriots? The only thing that I will add to that, and I think I'm going to roll this into an SI piece maybe in the next couple of weeks. Nice. I really do love seeing Pat play against Belichick. And I do think that, I think that there's something to be taken away from. I think every time Mahomes goes against an elite defense and in particular, not just a defense with elite talent, but a defense with elite scheming and Mm -hmm. game planning. I think that just makes him better. If you look at the ways that obviously the first two times he played the Patriots, he came out on the losing side, but the narrative in both of those games was, I mean, he, he got got for a quarter or a half. And then in the second half, both times in the second half, he scored 31 points in the second half which is outrageous against the Bill Belichick defense. And then two of the three times anyone's ever done that against Belichick. Right. And then the third time, obviously when we played at new England this year, you know, he, he came out a little bit stronger then he got hurt, kind of hurt his hand and had to dial it back a little bit, but just the way that he adapts, I think because it's a copycat league and because Belichick is the, the goat, every time Mahomes gets to see what he's got, Uh, It just gives him a leg up on everybody else he's going to face from that point on, because if you can beat Belichick's stuff, you can beat anybody's stuff. So I think that'll be a really fun game. I'm looking forward to it. Whoever the quarterback is for the Patriots, I do think, I mean, obviously we've gotten over the hump, we beat them and then we won the Super Bowl. So it's not like they, they have no power over us anymore. And obviously Brady's gone. So they super don't have any, (laughs) the the mystique is dead, but yeah, that, that's a fun game for sure. Well, you brought the, you brought this up to me earlier this week when you said that it's a little bit like Ender's game, the classic sci-fi book with um, Ender Wigan, who gets, he keeps getting challenged to be better and better and better at this battle simulation. And the more stuff they throw at him and the harder it gets, the more he steps up to the challenge and the more he, you know, succeeds in the face of all adversity. And Pat seems to respond with that similar type of, you know, when, when you're so good at something, it can be hard sometimes to be challenged. It's it's a, you can kind of not necessarily sleepwalk through some things, but you can for sure not feel like you're playing to your full potential. And then you get something like Bill Belichick, who comes in, who's the greatest defensive mind that NFL's ever seen. And Pat kind of says, okay, this is the type of guy I wanted to see what I can do against. This is yes. the, this is what gets me going. And I think that's a great observation on Pat. All right. Well, that is the draft. We've talked about our 10 favorite games from the schedule. Do you want to just 
Do you want to just roll into draft part two? I do, but I do want to also say that if I had another pick there, I'm really looking forward to the Dolphins game because we're going to really? go back to Hard Rock. So okay. that's just yeah. that was the right. only sure. I was looking at the rest of the so we didn't pick the home game against the Raiders and the home game against the Chargers and then the two home games against the Falcons and Jets, the away game against the Panthers. None of those games really do much for me. But then I saw at Miami on the schedule and I was like, mm. ooh. They're gonna they're gonna be able to go back and walk through into those locker rooms and smell the same smells and yeah yeah happy for them. Now they'll be in a different locker room, right? Because weren't they uh, technically the home team for the Super Bowl? I guess I hadn't thought about that. I, I don't, don't know, know which team would have been technically the home game. I, I believe it was technically the Chiefs for the home team, but well, it certainly felt get to like to experience another Chiefs. locker room at Hard Rock Stadium. <laughs> they'll get to soak in the Niners' tears that I'm sure are still uh, you know. Stained uh, in the carpet there. Love it. So let's go on to uh, to non-Patrick Mahomes football plays, which, yes, I know a lot of you are wondering, do those exist? But they do exist. They do exist. And for those of you who maybe are newer listeners to the podcast, we have done a Pat plays draft. That actually yeah. was maybe the first. Was that the first? It wasn't the first draft that the we did. The first draft was the quarterback. Uh, but it was the best draft that it we've was. ever done. It was, it was so was much fun. Sure. Go back and check out that episode if you have not listened to it before. Just relive with us the 10 best Pat plays of all time. Uh, it was such a joy. This will be fun too, though. And you have the first overall pick. I do, which is just such a joy. Um, this is obviously a slam dunk. It's the one that just as when you had the first Pat play and you chose Wasp uh, with the first non-Pat play, I will, of course, be choosing Damien Williams' Super Bowl clinching run. Of course. Um, it is the happiest moment of my life so far, and it's just everything about this was so exhilarating. There was a minute 20 left. The Chiefs were only up four. They needed a first down to clinch the Super Bowl. Pat says, hold on to the ball, stay in bounds, get the first down. He, he, he told Damian Williams exactly what to do. Damian bounces left. Uh, Joe Buck wasn't really paying much attention, it seemed like. He kind of <laughs> didn't realize that Damian Williams just won the Super Bowl for the Chiefs until he was already rolling into the end zone. But I, I'll, I mean, as Mitch Holt has said, he runs into immortality. Um, there's, no other, there's no better way to put it than the way the GOAT put it. Uh, Damian Williams with one of the all-time Chiefs plays forever. Yeah, this was uh, an obvious choice. I will tell you, we obviously were watching the Super Bowl together. I didn't know that the Chiefs had scored until probably, I don't know, 30 to 45 seconds after it happened. Because obviously, (laughs) you know, knowing the game situation, it being second and six, and the Chiefs getting, I knew as soon as he hit the corner, Yeah, like I knew it was a first down. And I just turned around and started jumping up and down because <laughs> yeah. we won the Super Bowl. Like we got yeah. the first down. That's all we needed. Stay yeah. in bounds. Clock keeps rolling. The Niners did have some timeouts left. They just used their first timeout. But with the first down, the Chiefs were essentially able to run down the clock. They were basically already in field goal range. And then, you know, I look up the scoreboard and I'm like, did, did he house that? Did he take that all the way to the end zone? So, up 10? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's a great play. Uh, I mean, it's – I, what I love about this play is I just it's so poetic to to have the game clinching touchdown against the Niners and obviously the Chiefs were already up like we we're gonna win that game but the final nail in the coffin is a run behind the fullback mm-hmm. you know like a power run basically uh-huh. and it's like the Chiefs are like hey hey 
you know how you guys do the power run thing yeah okay, watch check this. this check this out <laughs> it's just like i mean it's such a flex you yeah. know after pat obviously had just had taken over the game and driven them down for two touchdowns in the last you know seven minutes of the game to just come out yeah come out uh behind anthony sherman of all people the sausage and just just take it to the house man i i love it and i'm glad that he didn't go down at the one by the way Me because too. even though people will tell you that that's the right play yes. i actually am not i'm not 100 percent convinced taylor because i i think the niners could have gotten off a couple more plays because they actually did get off a couple more plays right sure. like um, I mean, the, even when the Chiefs got the ball back, Kendall Fuller after the still Niners the went, the ball off. yeah, after the Niners ran a couple of plays and threw a pick, even when the Chiefs got the ball back, like they still had Pat had to drop all the way back and run around for a few <laughs> seconds and lose to completely a bunch of burn the money. clock off. Yeah, exactly, to completely burn the clock off. So, I, I, I don't know. I'm just glad he housed it. It obviously it was it was a great call. It's a it's a beautiful play. Yep, the thought process there for going down at the one is that you still control the ball. And if you score, right. the other team can score, kick an onside kick and score again, and you don't control the ball, but that just doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really play with me because if you score there, then they have to score one more time, but you know, you're now up two scores. It's just a very, I, you could, you could fumble the ball on a, on a handoff at yeah, the one exactly. after he goes exactly. down and they exactly. could house that. And now they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, so exactly. Right. I, I just think he's got to score there. Yeah, there's just there's too much stuff that can happen, and yep. it's just a better narrative anyway. I mean, you know, it is what it is. So, what direction are you going for two? So, I'm gonna stick with the Super Bowl, and okay. I'm gonna go with probably the biggest non-TD, non-pat play of the season, Rose Bowl right yeah. parade. Yep. So it's fourth and one at the San Francisco five-yard line. The Chiefs line up in this goofy formation. <laughs> they spin. Goofy. They spin around. You know, Sammy manages to pull the spin. For those of you that had not heard the story, the Chiefs, I guess, had been practicing that play like all year, and Sammy Watkins <laughs> could not like figure out how to spin around, which is outrageous for you know a professional athlete. Um, so they they get not the touchdown. Damian Williams down to the one. I I just love everything about this play because. You know, obviously they pulled it from the 1948 Rose Bowl, which is hilarious because that was a 49 to nothing blowout. Yeah. So they like. What were they watching that for? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First, who was watching this? Why? Why were they watching it? Like, and I've I've seen the tape from that. Like they tweeted it out. You know, yeah. NFL Films has access to just the most Everything. incredible vault of stuff. So of course, you know, within hours of the game, it's like, hey, here's here's where this play came from, and the the footage is like totally grainy like it's and they don't even spin yeah how can you even tell what's going on it just is it's it's such an iconic play that will go down in chiefs history because i just what i love about it is it just like it's it's everything about andy reed and eric Bieniemy and like his whole tree for them to and we talked about this before we ever had a podcast for sports illustrated and we were just two guys talking football all the time and not recording it. <laughs> um, you know, we talked the the week leading up to the Super Bowl, like what kind of insane stuff are we going to see from Andy Reid? Yeah. The, sup- the Super Bowl bye week. Frank and Clark he- said, Andy's got something in the bag yeah, here. Yeah. He knew. Yeah, he knew. You know, like I wonder what they're going to come up with. Like they've yeah. been working down there all week is what he yeah. says on the mic'd up. Yeah. And I I just – it's it's crazy to me. Like you always see – you see – 
crazy stuff in the Super Bowl, like more than any other game of the year, because it's the last game of the year, because there's a bye week before it, you always see some goofy stuff like Sean Payton, you know, going for an onside kick, you know, mm-hmm. on the, the first kick of the second half in the Super Bowl against the Colts, just mm-hmm. all kinds of different stuff. It stuff happens, but then you get this mastermind, this beautiful genius, Andy mm-hmm. Reed, trying to win his first Super Bowl, And the, the Chiefs sent out the kicking unit. And then Pat was like, we're going for it. Like, let's go for it. Give me my, give, give me, me my helmet. helmet. Give me my helmet. <laughs> it's just great. I love it. Um, I, I just, uh, that was the obvious number two for me. I agree. Yeah, for sure. That was, I mean, it's, it's the second most famous play of the season behind Wasp. It's the only two that we actually know the call for. Yeah. Um, it's, it's awesome. I love that they, that the 48 Rose Bowl, they didn't spin and Andy throws the spin into it. And I, I just love how creative he is he's just such a gift to us he's just so so good at his job and we are eternally grateful for it so then i get another pick and i'm gonna stick with the super bowl and i'm gonna go with our first defensive play yeah it's gonna be frank clark's sack on fourth and ten with a minute 33 left in the super bowl at the kansas city 49 yard line so this is the play after this is the play right before uh your your pick where um, Damian Williams runs to immortality. It's 24 to 20. So it's still a game. You know, it's four. Very much 10. so. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. But this was the play right after on third and 10, Jimmy Garoppolo missed a wide open Manny Sanders for what probably would have been the go ahead touchdown. Mm-hmm. And it's really like whenever I see the replays of that, it's like a really sobering moment because I think, like, man, like. Hmm. Uh, what if he what if he had connected on he that got now, behind we, know, us. Yeah. we know what would have happened i mean right. pat, would, pat would have just let us down and won the game we had a minute and a half left right yeah it was but over. this was just such a it just was such a great play obviously we we may see these later on in the draft but frank closing out each of the playoff games really with a sack this was like all of his playoff sacks was just you know sheer effort you yeah. didn't even bring him to the ground he wrapped them up and I just like, I like all of these plays. I can hear Mitch's call in my head, you know, like he's being wrapped up. It's going to go as a sack, <laughs> yeah. you know, like on fourth down. And so the chiefs get the ball. And then two plays later, Damian Williams is running into the end zone. So there are so many moments, obviously, you know, the first three picks are from the super bowl. There's that's not, you know, by accident. Right. Um, these are, and, and from the final minutes of the super bowl, I, I Rose bowl <laughs> was obviously earlier in the, the game, but yeah. Uh, just a, uh, one of those plays that I will always remember for sure. Yeah. Frank um, sure turned his season around. I mean, from the beginning where he was all messed up and sick and not really producing and all, and we paid so much for him in draft capital and in salary. And he wasn't really doing much to start. And then boy, he, once he got his legs under him, he just, his sacks got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, the ending all the, the playoff games with a sack is great. But ending the Super Bowl on defense with a sack is just something that not a lot of guys have ever been able to do. And uh, he that that defensive stand, you know, when when the Niners got the ball back and Honey Badger goes over the sidelines and says, it's on us. That's what we wanted. Yep. It's on us. You know, I mean, he he knew that this is not just the Pat Mahomes show. It's it's primarily the Pat Mahomes show, of course. But like that defense got the Chiefs to the playoff to the Super Bowl, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, for for them to stand up 
after they blow a play. And fortunately, Jimmy Garoppolo is not Patrick Mahomes, doesn't hit it. And then for Frank to get the pressure on it, it just, it makes me, it gives me the, the, the warm fuzzies. I love it. Yeah. And just, I don't, I don't use the word clutch very often because mm-hmm. I think people misuse it to describe <laughs> yeah. things that don't exist like ghouls, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but this defense was clutch, man. Like there, there's no other way to describe it. I mean, the, the, the drive before this, you know, before the chiefs got the go ahead score was the only three and out of the game that the chiefs forced. So they, you know, we, yeah. we got to within three yes. Niners get the ball back and the defense gets a three and out and they're only three and out of the game. And then this drive, you know, it starts off with, they get gashed a couple of times with big runs. There obviously was the, the play on third down, which could have been a touchdown if Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, hits him in stride, although he was pressured on that play, you know, like he, he didn't, didn't have he a clean was. pocket, but for them to just step up and play to the whistle, man, you know, big time players make big time plays in big time right. games. So they uh and it's just great too you know with uh tyron and frank clark to have guys that can talk the talk and then back it up so yeah yeah it's a it's a welcome change in kansas city that's for sure so at number four i am going to draft a moment from a playoff game but not from the super bowl okay and it's going to be dan Sorensen stuffing that fake punt Ah. against houston i mean that's that's just a yeah i know that is a all-timer, eight minutes left in the second quarter. The Texans are faking a punt on fourth and four. Uh, Justin Reed is stopped two yards short by Dan Sorensen, and he steals literally any ounce of momentum that the Texans still had remaining, just gets sapped out. And now this is 24-7. to seven. This is not, you know, uh, the, the, the Texans are still up 17 at that point, but it was like, okay, okay, this, this game is – more than just a chance for the chiefs. This is going to happen. And, you know, you and I were at that game and there were a ton of emotions in that second quarter, just, just the ups and downs and the, the big plays by the chiefs were just so cathartic after that first quarter. And the Dan Sorensen play is not, you know, it wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't, I mean, you know, if you're a casual observer of the NFL if you watch that game but you're not a Chiefs fan or a Texans fan you might not remember that there was a fourth down stop in the middle of that comeback I mean it all kind of snowballed on you but for the for the Chiefs fans that were plugged into that game I think you ask them to a person they will agree that if Dan Sorensen doesn't make that play and the Texans go on to extend that drive and possibly go down and score and increase their lead um, it's just really hard to envision in a game that the Chiefs won by 20 that they would have won the game. Uh, it, it was as big of a defensive stop as I can remember. Yeah. I, uh, in preparation for this draft, I, um, as I'm sure you did as well, I did, I did some preparation. I was looking at um, Lee Sharp. You can follow him on Twitter at Lee Sharp NFL does a lot of stuff with EPA that's um, expected points added and win probability and things like that. So he has a great website where you can kind of go through and look at win probability for all these games. And that was kind of one of the things that I was doing was just like, okay, let, let me remind myself, you know, big EPA let, plays there let me find the, the, the numbers, the figures mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to back up uh, my memory. And what's funny about this play is like you said, um, you look at something like, even, even if you look at like something like win probability, the chiefs probability of winning that game, it was 24 to seven before the fourth down stop was 23%. And when they got the the fourth down stop, it went up to 30%. So that's a pretty significant jump. Yeah. It was not the biggest jump in the game. 
you know, the, the biggest jump the Chiefs had was actually on another Daniel Sorensen play, which huh. may get drafted, perhaps, right. Right. Uh, where he forced a fumble on a kickoff. And it was at that point, it was 24 to 14, and the Chiefs were kicking off to the Texans. And then they ended up with the ball in Texans territory, you know, practically in the end zone. And Darwin Thompson didn't know he could advance the ball at first. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the Chiefs win probability on that play went up from 40% to 62%. <laughs> it was over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At that point, it's like, well, all right, yep, it's it's done. wonder how many people have ever been down 10 with an expectancy of 62%. Yeah, what's funny about that is what's funny about that is it, you're right though. Like I don't I was just talking about clutch and I I'm going to use another word that I hate which is momentum. Mm-hmm. But there is something to be said for and and you know that I I'm not this kind of person at all. But like no. there is something to be said for you know, something like Hardman's return and Sorensen's stop, which in terms of win probability and things like that, were not hugely impactful in the game. But being in the stadium, yes, you felt like they meant absolutely everything. And to be honest with you, I've actually never really explored the counterfactual that you just proposed, which is like, what if the Texans convert on fourth and two? Mm-hmm. Like, in my mind, you know, it's like, well, what if the Texans punt there? And okay, fine. But what if the Texans actually had converted that and they yeah. keep the ball yeah. and they go down and score again? And now it's 31 to seven, you know, if yeah. they go down and get a touchdown. Having bled more clock off the second quarter. Yeah. I mean, I that, yeah, it's a huge play. Uh, I was hoping it would fall to me, but I'm not surprised that <laughs> it's off the board. Well, um, I'm really glad that you brought up EPA because that segues beautifully into my next pick, which is a non playoff. Uh, play which is a little surprising at this point in top five but this play includes the highest epa swing in one play that you can possibly have in football (laughs) so this is a epa difference of 13.97 points which means that the uh, the detroit lions had a 6.97 expected points uh on the play that they ran and instead the Chiefs scored seven and of course (laughs) i'm talking about First and goal from the Detroit one, tied at 13 with nine minutes left in the third quarter. Hand the ball off to carry on Johnson. He dives for the goal line. There's a little bit of a pile. It, the, the ball somehow ends up on the ground. No one really quite has an eye on it and figures out what's going on, except for Bashad Breland, who very wisely picks the ball up, kind of scoots around the side and jets off to the house. And he and Tyron Matthew are racing down the field and no one else is really even any of the wiser that something's going on. But next thing you know, the refs are signaling touchdown chiefs and a 100 yard fumble return is just, it's so rare in football and it's such a, a gut punch for the the lions that were about to go up seven. And then now they're down seven. Um, it, it's certainly not one of the biggest plays of the year just because of, you know, week four and, and, you know, it's, it's against the lions. It's really, the stage isn't that big, but the swing of that play is the single biggest swing of any play that you can possibly have in football. And we'll talk about this with some of my picks later on in this draft for sure, but you can replay, you know, a football season is only 16 games in a regular season. And then you've got single elimination in the playoffs and every single game has such a huge impact on everything else that happens in the season. Yep. And if the chiefs drop that game, to the lions, which they probably do, if this play doesn't happen, 
Yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking about a 14-point swing. swing. They won by three. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and they won with, you know, whatever, five (laughs) seconds left on the clock or 30 seconds left on the clock on a game-winning drive. I mean, that that would have cost the Chiefs a bye. Mm -hmm. They would have been playing on the first weekend. New England would have gotten a bye. They would have been playing – well, they would have been playing at home on the first Oh, they would have been like the three. Yeah, yeah. But then they would have gone on the road the following weekend. They would have had to go to Baltimore. They would have had to go to New England. If they were the three seed, they would have gone to New England, would have been the two seed. And, you know, I mean – Weird stuff happens in in Foxborough in January. So, you know, yeah, exactly. A fumble recovery for a touchdown against the Lions in week four, you know, like that, (laughs) that is a huge play. And it was one that was on my list as well. I mean, it it was, it was a huge play, a very heady play by Bashar Breeland. Yep. So I have back-to-back picks now, and I'm going to go with another, I'm going to go with another Bashar play i'm actually going a little bit out of order on my board here but you kind of you kind of brought us out of playoff territory (laughs) and i was just talking about the whole butterfly effect thing and everything like that so it's chiefs patriots the chiefs Uh are in foxborough yeah man it's fourth fourth and three on the kansas city five yard line and the patriots are down seven it's 23 to 16 we're inside of two minutes in the game a touchdown ties the game and even though if the Patriots had scored on this play, the Chiefs would have had a minute six left with two timeouts to drive down and get a game-winning field goal, mm-hmm. which they obviously would have done because Pat Mahomes. But, you know, the Chiefs had not moved the ball very well in the second half of this game. Remember, Mahomes hurt his hand in this game. This was a great New England defense that we've already talked about I mean, when we were talking about the schedule. You're talking about individual moments and butterfly effects and everything like that. If Bashad Breland doesn't get his hands on that ball, and tip it away from Julian Edelman on fourth down, and that's a touchdown, maybe, maybe New England wins that game. And if New England wins that game, the Chiefs don't get a bye, and the Chiefs are traveling probably to Foxborough. They, they're playing the Titans in all likelihood. Instead of the Patriots, they're playing the Titans in week one of the playoffs. They don't get a, a rest. You know, the Titans are coming in super hot. We saw what they did to the Patriots. And then the Ravens, we caught them on the tail end of that, but they came into the playoffs unbelievably hot. Scorching. You know, even if they beat the Titans in Arrowhead in the first round of the playoffs, they, they don't get a week to rest. Then they have to go to New England um, in all likelihood. You know, they go to New England. Then they have to go to Baltimore in all mm-hmm. likelihood. You know, now we're talking about we've eliminated the Titans. Maybe the Ravens beat whoever they beat. Oh, the Bills go, or the Texans or whoever? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, they, they, sure. sm- they'd smoke that team. And then yeah. we have to go to Baltimore for the AFC Championship game instead of playing the Titans at home. Yep. I mean – that was one of those plays that and and really the fumble return too but just such a night and day difference uh, i'm glad that we're talking about non-pat plays because we gotta give some love yeah. to yeah. the extraordinary turnaround that we have for the defense like I, I we've saw this movie before in the afc championship game in january of 2019 mm. when the chiefs just needed a stop mm-hmm. and they could have gone to the super bowl and Tom Brady, old-ass Tom Brady, is driving on the Chiefs' defense, and he just puts the game away. And it looked like, for all the world, other than the time that D. Ford lined up offsides, that we just could not stop them, that they, they yeah. could not be stopped. Like, they just were Three straight third and tens. Ugh. And this was – I mean, like, my, my heart was in my throat on this play. Like, this was a huge play. This was the huge. game. And the, the Chiefs won. Like, that was a new feeling. Like – the defense stepping up, you know, at a critical moment 
with a late lead in the games, something that we literally did not see a single time in 2018. We haven't seen that since like the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and it was, it was incredible. Um, yeah. It was incredible. So I got to give some love to Bashad there. That's going to be my pick there. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So let me roll around here to, I'm going to roll back to the playoffs mm-hmm. and I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to the Frank Clark. Well, uh, this is going to be similar to, you know, my previous Frank Clark pick. I'm just going to go one week before, two weeks before the Super Bowl. Frank Clark sacking Tannehill on fourth down to secure the trip to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. This play, it wasn't a hugely impactful play in the sense that this game was basically over. Uh, it was fourth and six. Tennessee had the ball on their own 35 with a minute 20 left. They had no timeouts and they were down 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, like, cooked, but yeah, what, what's going to happen? Yeah. But <laughs> the symbology here, the symbology and just the emotion of knowing that this is like that, that that's it. You're going to the Super Bowl, you know, and you're going to the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. You just won the Lamar Hunt trophy for the first time. Uh, it just, <laughs> and then I would be remiss if I didn't mention <laughs> Frank Clark's interview with James Palmer. <laughs> Which is the true reason you yeah. picked this moment. Just minutes after this play <laughs> where he just went on an all-time right. Oh, James Palmer just sort of posing one of those harmless hypotheticals where he's like, you know, people were talking about you guys and Frank Clark's Who's talking about who? Who's talking about us? <laughs> you tell them to f this and f that. <laughs> like just, just an incredible interview for uh, them. He was fired up. Yeah, just it was great uh, about how they're AFC champions, and you know we got the trophy with my owner's name on it. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, I got I gotta go. I gotta go with my man Frank there. Yeah, love that pick. That's perfect. Frank was had his fingerprints all over the Super Bowl run, obviously, and uh, none were more memorable than that James Palmer interview. I do want to point out for any of my astute grammar listeners out there, I use the word symbology from the boondock saints. That is not a real word. That is when, uh, that's a, that's a great little bit with what's the symbology here. And Willem Dafoe says <laughs> symbolism. The word you're looking for is symbolism. So just wanted to say that, uh, I, for number eight have, uh, I, I considered picking some of the ones we've kind of touched on here for a little bit, but I think the direction that I'm going to go in is a play that you and I were in attendance for. Um, it is one of the last plays we saw in person before we left mile high stadium. Mm-hmm. This is the Ragland and Hitchens strip sack fumble touchdown versus Denver. Oh, okay. And Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, the play means a lot for the team. It, it was a very, very big emotional roller coaster in that game. Uh, seven minutes left in the quarter in the second quarter, the chiefs had just lost Pat. Broncos got the ball back on their own 25, you know, uh, it was 14 to six chiefs. So the Broncos go down there and score and now you don't have Pat and you're down and it's, it's a big mess, but Anthony Hitchens strips Flacco, Reggie Ragland picks it up, rumbles into the end zone, gives the chiefs the 20 to six lead. And it was kind of a, you know, like, like we got this, we got this. I know we just lost the quarterback. I know we haven't really held up our end of the bargain. We talked about this when we, Uh, recap this game a little bit but I felt that the emotion of that play with everyone being as as stressed and as worried about Pat and everything that the last thing that Chiefs fans needed right then was a stressful game without Pat Mahomes in Denver 
in a in a game that they had to have that you know a divisional road game and all that stuff the the way that that strip sack kind of kept the Broncos at arm's length for the rest of that game uh, was huge it was huge because it turned a game that you lose your MVP in the second quarter into a win and it allowed the same butterfly effect that all of these plays that win a game for the Chiefs that if they don't happen everything that we just experienced that was the greatest sports moments of our lives doesn't happen. I mean, yep. it's just a, it's so precious. These, these inches in football, these very slight changes that alter the whole outcome of history. And that's just another one of those moments where if the chiefs drop that game in Denver, who knows what happens, but we do know that what did happen and it had to have that chiefs win in Denver. So that was my pick at number eight. Do you remember our emotions watching that play? Of course. And I also remember, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago when we recapped this, that we left shortly after that. But we left knowing that the Chiefs were probably going to win the game, even though Pat Mahomes was hurt and we felt awful about it. It was very comforting to see the defense step up. And that's kind of been, it's kind of been the theme of these non-pat plays. Obviously we, we could go run plays, we could go special teams plays and we've had those too, but the, the moments that really stick with you and the ones that really, you know, bring the emotion are the ones that, you know, it really was the defense, which is crazy to talk about. I mean, after, after living through years of Bob Sutton's defense, but yeah. So close us out. What's your final pick at number nine? Uh, you okay? Yeah, my final pick is going to be Damian Williams, 84 yards up the left side against the Chargers in Week 17. It was um, a beautiful play by Damian. He runs to the left. Uh, you know, the Chiefs have got they're only up 17, 14 in the in the third quarter with the one seed hanging in the balance. You know, they're we're watching the Miami score, um, the Miami New England score that is, and we still have to take care of business against the chargers. And when he goes to the left, he gives him a little spin move and there's just such a lackadaisical effort by the chargers <laughs> defenders, by all of them. I, I think it was a combination of best defense he, in the league, man. Yeah. Assuming he was going to go out of bounds, which is certainly he was heading that direction, but he didn't. And the moment that fast guy saw that lane on the left sideline, he took off, and the only guy on the field that could catch him did catch him, but fortunately for the Chiefs, he was a Chief, Tyree Kill. And it, it was just it, – it gave the Chiefs a 10-point cushion, and it allowed us to dream a little bit that, okay, if Miami can hold on, and now now the Chiefs have got a pretty comfortable lead in Week 17, this this whole – the stars are aligning. And it's just a, it's just a brilliant play by Damian because – he he just didn't give up and he oriented his body directly, you know, the, the perfect way after that spin. And he was the last one on the field to give up. It was great. I'm actually also picking to close this out a Damien play from that game. It's the last touchdown of the game yeah. um, against the oh, Chargers. Man, what it, an effort that was. It, which again, I, I, I mean, this was in the closing minutes of the game. It didn't necessarily have a huge impact on the score, but it was a, an unbelievable effort by Damien. And I will, of course, always remember 
Kevin Harlan's call. That's actually really why I picked this <laughs> yeah, so that right, we could right. shout out Kevin Good. Harlan. You know, what a touchdown run by Williams. What a throw by Fitzpatrick here on the final weekend of the regular NFL regular season. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Which game are you calling? I'm calling both yeah. games. Just uh, it, and it is a great it is a great play. Like you could just tell, you know how how bad they wanted to win right like I it just it's it's a total effort play by him he's basically down he finds his way into the end zone he fights through the Chargers defenders and gets into the end zone and then of course you know in real time you know a a minute after that 60 seconds after that Fitzpatrick throws the go-ahead touchdown to Kosicki was it yeah it was in the end zone the tight end and the Dolphins stun the Patriots in Foxborough and the Chiefs end up with the two seed. And there's that great, obviously the great video and the broadcast of the stadium finding out in real time. And Kevin Harlan, you know, I'm so glad he was the one on the call too, too. obviously with his ties to the chiefs and, and the history there for him, you know, I, I, he always brings it obviously Kevin Harlan's amazing, but you know, another broadcaster might not have had, the appreciation for what that moment really meant to Kansas city. Great point. And it just is, it's amazing. I mean, like that's one of the the pivotal scenes that doesn't involve Pat Mahomes throwing bombs from <laughs> the season, um, you know, on the way to the Super Bowl is, you know, the chiefs getting the buy and the two seed and the whole stadium finding out about it kind of in unison and going crazy. And, you know, obviously the mic'd up of Tyreek coming over and, Oh, Miami just scored. They're, they're winning, man. And then everybody starts jumping up and down. You know, just uh, it's amazing. So Great that's pick. my pick at number 10 to Great close pick. this draft out. And that was fun. That was – it wasn't as fun as drafting Pat plays. It, it but, wasn't, but the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl made that oof, a lot of fun. It was very enjoyable. You want to just briefly – I just want to touch on a couple of plays that we didn't Yeah, mention, honorable or that we didn't draft. Sure, yeah, honorable absolutely. mentions. Yeah. So we did talk about Dan Sorensen forcing that fumble against Houston. That was a huge, huge, huge play. Um, Harrison Bucker, I, I thought about drafting this ninth, his game tying and game winning field goals against Minnesota that we just discussed last week. Um, those were money, money. I mean, 54 yarder to tie it and a 44 yarder to win it. Love that. Uh, but Sean Breland did have a pick in the Super Bowl on that play. He did. That, and um, that was actually a huge play by EPA, by huge. the way, despite the fact that it happened in the first half. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was right up there with the top eight or nine um, biggest plays in the Super Bowl. Damian had that 91 yarder against Minnesota that was straight up the gut. Absolutely. You know, just there yeah, was, Tyreek, there, Tyreek caught him there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He caught him on yeah. both of his long touchdown runs. <laughs> uh, Kelsey had that awesome four yard rushing touchdown against new England where he lined up in the shotgun and he had, you know, he faked a handoff to Tyreek and then he kind of spun around the left side of the line and, and yeah, that was fun. Plugged it in. That was great. We were only up three there and that put us up 10. Um, uh, Kelsey lateral to LaShawn McCoy. Well, but that, that was, was sick. I, I, would have, uh, yeah. I probably would have drafted that, but it was a cat throw. And well, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah. It would have, I mean, would, you know, honorable mention. <laughs> for sure. It was, it was sick. It was a great Barnum play. and Bailey from very, the Chiefs, yeah. Yes, it was very memorable. I know yeah. it technically Pat threw the ball to Kelsey. And obviously Matt Moore's four touchdown passes. We didn't, yeah, sure. you know, even though these are non-Pat plays and we could have gone with Matt Moore, he had that 57-yarder to Hill in the game that we left, uh, the 29-yarder to Kelsey and the 30-yarder to Hardman on a little um, – touch pass that Hardman took to the house against Green Bay and then a beautiful 40 yarder to Hill against Minnesota Mm -hmm. in the right corner of the end zone that he just absolutely so all four of his touchdown passes were 
29, 30, 40, and 57 yards. So Yeah, I mean, they were dimes. He was bombing them, yeah. And then my last honorable mention was a Dan Sorensen clinching interception against Phillip Rivers uh, and the Chargers. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Yeah. RIP Phillip Rivers. It was uh, a lot of fun playing against you, especially the last (laughs) six years. Yes, Uh, he gave us that ball a lot. Hopefully we'll see him in the playoffs. That could be kind of fun. That would be fun, for sure. I just wanted to throw one honorable mention. I don't know. You might have said this, I but uh, Hardman's return against the Texans. Is oh, I good. think we you mentioned that when you were talking yeah. about that game. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. I mean, that was yeah. a 58 I mean, yarder when the Chiefs only, only 3% were being shut out. Probability added, um, but you know, I mean, had to good. have it. It was great. Yeah, I mean that that return probably prevented us from leaving the stadium. It certainly helped our our days. Yes. Yeah, right. yeah, for sure. So that wraps up our non-pat play draft. We're going to dive into our always sunny draft, which is going to be very exciting. It is the namesake for our show. If you don't watch always sunny, you're probably going to tune this out or you can just stop listening. But before you do that, I do have an important announcement. Our man, the artist chief at Corey 04 uh, approached us about doing a giveaway. He's provided a piece of art that he would like for uh, a fan of our podcast to receive and he left us in charge of determining how that was going to be done so here's what's going to happen next week on the podcast there is going to be a trivia question taylor came up with the trivia question if it's too hard blame him he was in charge of the question we're not going to tell you what it is you have to listen to the podcast next week you will listen to the trivia question first person that answers the trivia question at the time and place specified probably dming us on twitter or whatever we come up with uh you know, yeah dming maybe, us let's just say that now yeah, first person sure. to dm us on twitter first person to dm us on twitter with the correct answer will win a print i will uh when we talk about this next week i will tweet out exactly what it's going to look like i have it sitting here on my dms but stay tuned for that and big props to Corey, our man Corey, the artist chief give him a follow on twitter at cory04 if you do not follow him already we really appreciate him uh putting his art out there for us and uh we uh we really are looking forward to doing that yeah Corey, that's awesome um that's a really cool way for us to um you know give some some listeners some incentive there uh so i do want to point out that the pod normally releases whenever i get around to finishing up the edit so usually it's it's like a Thursday night, Friday morning type of drop. But because this is going to be a timed contest where the first person to hear the trivia question and answer the trivia question and send us a DM will get it. I want to let everybody know listening right now that at midnight, no, that's too late for everybody. At <laughs> 8 a.m. Central Friday morning, I will be releasing the podcast. So set your calendar or your clocks right now an alarm for 8 a.m. Friday morning. That's when that's the moment I'll make it available to the public. That's when you can download it. That's when you can listen for the trivia question. We want to get everybody a fair shake at this. So if you didn't hear this, if you, if you tuned out a while ago and then you tune in next week on Thursday and you hear that question for the first time and you know, don't blame us. We gave you a fair warning. So that'll be fun. It will be fun. And again, thanks to Corey. So Taylor, you want to close this out. (laughs) With a sunny draft. Now, this I, is impossible. This is almost harder than it, picking our favorite Pat plays. Oh, I think it's absolutely impossible. There are, as two gigantic fans of the show, it it's just, they have so many episodes that I consider to be brilliant and perfect. And to be able to only pick 10 of those between the two of us, so only five each, is pretty agonizing for us. 
Uh, but we're going to do our best. We, there is a ton of them in here that we both love equally and both love a lot. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I have the number one pick in this draft. So I'm starting it off with my favorite episode of all time. The gang wrestles for the troops season five, episode seven. Of course it has absolutely everything in it that, um, that you could love. It's got the maniac, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who's amazing in this one of the absolute best cameos in the show. They've got the birds of war ah, <laughs> with the whole song. The song is great. Um, cricket with the towel bum blowing <laughs> sand in their eyes. And then Frank is the trash man smashing the, they, they just, they nailed it in this episode in, in yeah, Hulk Hogan, many... blonde Chinese hair with the yes, skin of a hot dog. Skin of a hot dog. That's his secret. Yeah, yeah. Silken um... like that of a Chinese man. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just get it. And this is season five, so they're right in their absolute peak of the show. And, uh, you know, this has also got uh, D is Desert Rose and <laughs> Artemis being Desert Grape and, and the introduction of Ben the Soldier who gets off the bus on the wheelchair, but just because he twisted his knee and is not actually handicapped. It, it's a... It's a banger. That's my one. It's a great pick. Uh, obviously, I knew that's the way you were going to go. <laughs> we are in total agreement that you that struck is struck it the, off your board right away. <laughs> I did. I did strike it off my board. I'm going to go with uh, an iconic episode, season four, episode two. Yep. Gang solves the gas crisis. This is an episode that I'm taking off the board here because I know I know Taylor and I's boards are going to diverge a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but not going here. Forward. But I know <laughs> that this is an episode that he would snatch up if it dropped all the way to the fourth pick. So I'm going to go ahead and take it here, even though I'm not 100% sure that it's I, – like, I wouldn't say that it's my second favorite episode. Hmm. It, it gets it gets into the rotation, but it's obviously – it's an iconic, sunny episode. You know, Charlie is the wild card. Yeah. Talking like Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> it's, it's a great episode. Gas. Right. Counting the gas. It's a, it's a, this really was, you you picked an episode from season five, season Uh four, season five, and then season eight really Mm -hmm. are the pinnacle. If you really want to get into Sunny, you need to watch it all the way through sequentially because the way that the characters really build and develop is hilarious. Yeah. And it just, it makes all of the episodes in the later seasons so so much funnier. But if you have to cut it out, if you you have to cut it out, yeah. This is a good place to start. Gas Crisis, maybe if I were to recommend <laughs> to somebody, you know, to watch one episode of Sunny yeah. just to see what the show is yeah. about, it probably would be Wrestles for the Troops. <laughs> but, a- but after <laughs> Wrestles for the Troops, it probably would be Gas Crisis. Gas Crisis is genius. They're just, they're just so great. Um, I, and I'm going to cut out that whole reply to that. You just keep rolling on. Okay. I, I didn't really have much of a significance <laughs> to say there. That's totally okay. Uh, and I just want to add to, by the way, uh, Matt Shockman directed that episode. Also directed uh, one of the great episodes of Game of Thrones of all time before it got terrible. The one with the loot train. Battle attack. of the Bastards too, yeah, didn't he? Uh, I think so. He directed some bangers. Uh, yeah. Matt Shockman is a genius. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go with an episode, the episode directly before solves the gas crisis. Also, God, those are my top three. So you did. And great. I'm going to go with Mac and Dennis Manhunters. I mentioned <laughs> in our mailbag episode last week that this is an episode that I have watched more than once in the same day before, <laughs> which is uh, which is a level of commitment that, frankly, I've never experienced. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> Drop it a sunny Boom. reference Got in it. a sunny draft. What do you we're, guys we're feel going... each other's nipples for? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, this is a great episode. 
just the 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 spear he's whittled it into some kind of defensive tool you know the the teabagging it's just um it's an extraordinary episode the gorilla mask the premise is just so it's just so funny um and then the execution is just like i said i think i was killing everything that moves everything Everything that lives yeah you're describing your life in the way of john rambo's life again no, this that's not the first time you've done that. Yeah, yeah, that's this is not the first time you describe your life in the way of John Rambo's life. It's an extraordinary episode. So those are going to be my picks at two and three: solves the gas crisis and Manhunters. Well, I didn't expect you to deviate there. Uh, they were my top three picks as well, but they are absolute all timers. Um, for number four, I am going to go to the premiere episode of season seven which is Frank's Pretty Woman. This has got my absolute all-time favorite side character, which is Roxy the Hooker. Of course. And she is just she is just perfect. Uh, shut up, baby dick. And, <laughs> and this jacket's tighter than dick skin. That woman is unspeakably crass. <laughs> and, and just the whole, you know, um, Mac and Dennis going to the doctor and try move me, bro. And you're saying I'm more healthier than him other than the diabetes. I mean, it, it stops saying diabetes. Uh, and then of course, eating chimichangas out of the trash bag, we're becoming the gross crew. There's just, there's so much to love in that episode. And then of course, Roxy dies of a heart attack from smoking crack. And uh, then they just yeah. leave her out in the hallway because that's how the gang rolls. I love every moment of that episode. <laughs> that is a surprising pick, but I, I, Man. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit surprised by that, but yeah. it just speaks to, there are no bad picks in this no. draft. No, there really I mean, aren't. like they're just, you can't, you can't argue with it. And as yeah. we discussed last week uh, in the mailbag episode, which is kind of what prompted us to do this, yes. which is sort of riffing on our favorite sunny episodes. It's like having a favorite band or a favorite song, right? Like uh-huh. the the we could do this draft again in a month, <laughs> yeah, and we and probably would pick different episodes in a different order. So I agree for sure. Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, number five, I'm going with one of the um, iconic episodes of the series, which is of course season four, episode thirteen, "The Nightman Cometh." That one has just, I mean, all the songs are memorable and great, and written by the wonderful Charlie Day, and. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just from the troll toll, which everyone still quotes in other, you know, outside of Sunny because of how memorable it is. And then Dayman and Nightman, that that whole bit is just perfect. It's just absolutely perfect. You know what this is. Shut up. Or uh <laughs> it? Shut you up, know bitch. What it is, bitch. You know what it is, bitch. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah. Uh, they're great and and Charlie's great and he stars in that whole thing, you know, take a five. I, I've had it up to here and song or no song there's just so many great rants there yeah that's a great it's a great pick it like it like gas crisis i feel like those are i feel like Like nightman cometh and gas crisis are the most famous sunny episodes like those are the ones that everybody knows uh i mean it's it's great you can't go wrong with it Mm -hmm. it's just the that season just the way that the characters are i mean they're perfect they're perfect they're really they've 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 kind of hit their that they haven't peaked no i wouldn't say that they peaked. <laughs> but when they, they do when they peak we know, we know yeah um and i'm going to go with what i consider to be the peak season which is season eight yes and sunny is still going strong i mean what are we, we're on season 12 now i think uh, is it 13 season 11 just season? ended season 13 13 just it's ended, not yeah. very often that you see a show really like 
peak in season eight of 13, right? Like it's a, it's an extraordinary time in the life of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh my God. Season 14 just ended. (laughs) Oh my God. Still going strong. So I'm going to go with, this is going to maybe be a little bit of a wild card. I'm probably going to take two from season eight here. I'm still weighing what my second pick is going to be. But my first one's going to be episode 86, episode two of season eight. The gang recycles their trash. (laughs) Love that one. This is a great episode. And I already drafted Gas Crisis, which is one of the episodes that this episode heavily pulls from. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that makes Sonny so good and so rewatchable is the way that they did their own riffs on like their own continuing jokes, like their Mm -hmm. ongoing gags and the way that they sort of riff and build on those. So recycles their trash is sort of like a clip show, except they don't actually clip anything. Yeah. They re they redo the jokes. Yeah. They just recycle the jokes, Uh but in a way that makes them just so much funnier. I mean, it just says it's like what we're doing right now, essentially where it's like an episode where they're like, reliving their best yeah remember that bit remember how funny that was yeah and it is funny it it works tremendously um it's a it's a your trash yeah take your trash from you (laughs) we have a limousine a limousine and of course it culminates with you know charlie cutting the brakes you know (laughs) try the brakes and they're all like well who do who didn't see that coming from a mile away that's also the one with we're talking about you we're talking about you yeah uh, it's perfect it's incredible i am gonna roll into another season eight pick and it's really hard to choose among all of the um, among all the season eight episodes like honestly they're all so good but i'm going to go with charlie and d find love for mm. my next pick here sure with uh the incomparable now i'm not going to remember mm. her name uh alexander, alexander daddario. daddario yeah the incomparable alexander daddario charlie finding love using her to get back at the waitress this is a great one i mean it draws on you know some of our longest standing characters charlie and the waitress and sort of how he you know it turns out he was the one what, God, what, what is the line there Fuck, we're not uh which Turns out Charlie had the cruelest intention. <laughs> <laughs> okay, That's you, gotta, you gotta deliver that one again. Yeah. Turns out Charlie has the cruelest intentions of all. He's all Stal Giroux. Virtually any movie made in the 1990s. <laughs> She's all that. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's a fantastic episode. A great Dennis episode, a great Charlie episode, yeah. a great Frank episode, a great D and Mac episode. It just is a it's just a really fun caper and it's one of those ones too where you know sometimes the the plots and the side plots yeah you know, some sometimes they're like really out there but this is a really you know it's a yeah, very true. tightly controlled true. fun narrative um i i just uh you can't go wrong with that now i could have picked any other episode <laughs> in season eight and it would have been a perfect pick but now it's back to you oh i appreciate that very much because the next two that i have lined up are also from season eight and spoiler alert they're bangers uh i'm gonna start off with one of the absolute so one of my favorite bits that the gang does is when they they argue about things in such a litigated way they 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 have you know um what do they call them where they they have arbitration. They they have yes, arbitration, arbitration and they arbitration. they have court cases and they they just they're very winning points in each other's arguments is very important to them. <laughs> and that 
has no greater show and stage than Reynolds versus Reynolds, the serial defense. That one has, I, I mean, I keep, I, I keep laughing just even thinking about these episodes. Uh, of course, it starts off with Dennis in his car, eating a bowl of cereal, <laughs> calling someone a dumb bitch, which is, is an absolute, Austin's used this picture yes, I mean, have, a million times. I have times. memed this. I, yes. I, think, I think I'm responsible for the creation of this as a <laughs> I meme. I hope so, yeah. And I really hope it catches on. It is a... Every I laugh every time. I every time. At, every, every time, time I look at the picture. He says it with such contempt. Yeah. And and, and he's eating. And it, the picture has the bowl of cereal. I mean, <laughs> yes. it's just a. It's just so perfect. And, and then of course Frank bashes into him because he can't see because he's listening <laughs> to Charlie on a recorded cassette tape telling him how to drive to work, which is just such a brilliant bit that I don't think that gets enough credit in that episode that they recorded. And then he, and then he's talking to him still, you know, Charlie, Charlie, I don't see any fuzzy lights. I mean, it's just a, and then of course they go through the science is, uh, is wrong. Sometimes science and, is a liar. Sometimes yeah, science is a liar. Sometimes. And it turns out he's a bitch again. And uh, Mac is great in that episode. Rock flag and Eagle, right? Charlie? Judge slash bailiff. <laughs> yeah. Rock flag and Eagle. And he's got a point. Uh, <laughs> they are they're so good when you just boil everything down to one setting when they can yes. just sit in a room and just be funny with each other and uh serial defense is is so infinitely rewatchable um i couldn't help but pick that one at that pick and that leads me to pick number nine. And this is pretty agonizing. I can't believe is, we're already at pick number nine, but I mean, way. This look, is outrageous. we could do, we could do every episode and we and might someday. someday. We will, <laughs> we will for sure. And I might, um, and I probably will. And so that is literally the episode I'm looking at. I knew it. I and knew it. so we've got to do the gang gets analyzed and that's another season eight episode, season eight, episode five. Um, this is one where, you get each character in their own, you know, on their own stage with the uh, the um, psychiatrist and who's played by the actress. I don't know her name, but she played Trudy Weigel in uh, Reno 911. She's great in this. Drawing conclusions <laughs> <laughs> and drawing this. Do you like it? It's very generous. Very generous. Um, this one has the greatest monologue of all time, easily, of any, yes. of really any yes. fictional situation ever to be inside someone's mind (laughs) to have complete control (laughs) be right next to the executioner switch knowing that i'll never throw it but i could and i might and i probably probably will will. ah dennis is he's at his he's in his element in this one he's psychoanalyzing the gang he's had you know uh the d analysis since it was in crayons because he started it when he was in elementary school and uh, it's all just about, it's, it's so dumb too. It's all about doing the dishes. That's all they want. That's all they want to get figured out is who does the dishes. And uh, it's just, they, they are in their element again, when they're just having to throw a bunch of random stuff from Frank talking about his, <laughs> his history in the nut house and, and froggy and <laughs> frog <laughs> he unzipped me. the frog kid. Yeah. Yeah, her lips were very much in play. Ah, the whole, it's it's brilliant. I love that one. I can't believe this is my last pick it, because I have like can't 50 I more episodes I that too. I want to draft. Me too. I uh, do some do some honorable mentions. Yeah, we'll do some honorable <laughs> mentions. I'm going to go with 
I'm going to go with a yeah, you're... an episode that's near and dear to my heart here. Mac is a serial killer. Ooh, this is one that I and I thought that that might be a little bit of a surprise to you. Forty four in my power rankings. <laughs> Forty Forty four. <laughs> that's now, a good did, one. We did talk about this yeah. that there would be some picks from both of us, and you know, huh? you picked. Uh, Frank's Pretty Woman, very high, huh? higher than I would have had it on my board. But Mac is a serial killer starts off with Charlie telling a story, which is just an episode <laughs> of Law and Order, which starts out with they're at the law house scene. And that's probably what gets it for me. I yeah. love serial defense, obviously, but any of the episodes involving Charlie and his lawyerings is just super funny to me. And <laughs> of course, uh, it's real bird lawyer. Yes, exactly right. And I would be remiss if I didn't pick an episode where Charlie gets to show off his legal chops. <laughs> this is one of his first episodes where he really Yeah. Yeah, he, he leans into it hard. Yes, where he leans into it hard. He's he's defending Mac. Mac is a serial killer, but actually he's just banging the tranny in secret yeah. and he doesn't want anybody to know. Uh it's a it's and then of course D and Dennis on the side <laughs> are trying to track the real serial killer. It's got Peppa Jack and yes. Fraggle Rock. Yes. And, you know, D dressing up as a psycho clown. And it just is a great episode. Charlie posing with the chainsaw and snapping that off. It just is a very funny episode. Honorable mentions would be every other episode <laughs> that we, that we haven't listed. The other ones that were on my board that were very high up that we didn't draft were Dances Their Asses Off yes. from the end of season three. Uh, Mac and Charlie die parts one and two. Of we course. got, you know, Jan in there. The glory <laughs> Some real freaky shit. <laughs> uh, the gang buys a boat. I had pretty yeah. high on my list. It's yeah, a great the, one the because the implication, the P. Diddy dance. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, Steve Winwood gets me every time. Throwing the keys overhand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What happened down here? Some kind of horse kind of figure? That's another yeah. one that I frequently meme in football terms to describe whenever we play Colts the Broncos. Broncos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, then intervention I had, yeah of course intervention turns black gang turns black yeah turns black is a great one that's one I, of the rare post season yeah. eight episodes that's just killer it's just but an unbelievable banger perfect. it's it's an incredible mac day i had very high mac on my day list. is great yeah mac day is a great episode country mac is a, a great <laughs> great he's side pat character mahomes. he's pat mahomes exactly right. yeah he's the pat mahomes if it's always sunny uh, uh, move, what, to what you, uh yeah, what, oh, move to the I, suburbs yeah move to the suburbs didn't take moves to the suburbs i was it was you know this is tough. <laughs> this it's, is really tough. Times uh, is tough. Times is tough. Yeah, exactly. Move the suburbs is great. I love the um, the mac and cheese bits and the all that stuff. Char- mac and Charlie White trash. How can I mean with the the cutoffs in the bottom of the pool? <laughs> what is doing my trash about this, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Look how low I can go. Uh, it's so good. Um, Sweet D has a heart attack just for the Pepe Sylvia bit, which is of the greatest scene in TV history. Um, Frank's back in business with the warthog. Oh man! I, I yes. mean, from season, season eight, eight I mean, the gang dines out. And, we didn't even talk about the gang we, dines out. Charlie rules the world, and Charlie rules the world. God, God, I mean, it's an amazing episode. It's an amazing show. It's an amazing, amazing show. And if you guys are still listening to this and you've never seen the show, first of all, thank you because all of this is just Austin and I laughing about our favorite show. That if you've never seen, you probably <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just... I don't know how you've gotten through it. So. Uh, please go watch Always Sunny as soon as you can. Yes, and please rate and subscribe. Give us a five-star review. You have been responding, by the way, yeah. and I love that. Whenever yeah, I get the uh, great fives yeah, after that. Whenever I get the email 
every week uh, we got an All Lives Matter review in response to our, uh, you know, Blue Rise Lives Matter one-star review the other day. So not to get any political uh, in, in there, but I appreciated that people are listening, yeah. that people are giving us reviews. We love that. Uh, we are just are so grateful that you all are listening. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm.